Good morning. Good to see you. Merry Christmas. How are you guys doing? Good? Whoa, okay. This, this section right here, they're ready to go. They're all asleep over here, so I'm going to need you to swap. No, so excited. I got to tell you, I'm getting nervous. I'm getting nervous. If I'm honest, a little anxious because gift giving, I don't know about for you, but for me, gift giving is an adventure into anxiety. Right? I don't know if you feel it. I don't know if you get those questions like as you're watching your friends unwrap their gifts or your family members, you're thinking in the back of your head, I didn't do it right. Right? You ever get that sinking feeling of like, oh no, I think they already have this. Or oh no, I don't know if I understand what their wish list is. Like I, I got to admit, just right up front. So a couple days ago, my wonderful four-year-old Maddox, so I've got four kids and I'll tell you which one's my favorite because none of them are in this service. Just kidding, because they'll watch online and they'll get me. Uh, but my, my four-year-old was going through the snack cabinet in the pantry, and he's pulling stuff out like he does, because he's got to get every snack out before he picks one. And so he's pulling everything out, and then he pulls out this box. And then he goes to my wife, and he says, Mommy, Daddy got you this. <laughs> That's right. Daddy bought something for Mommy she already had. So I had Thank you that you didn't boo me. Like, uh, there was like a pause. It was almost like, he's not a good husband. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate that. Thank you for that. But I do, I get anxious. And I, I get anxious when, I, now I've gone back. I want you to know I didn't complete that story first service. I did go back and I bought a gift that I'm pretty sure she does not have. But I know during the gift giving time, right, I get anxious. I wonder, did I get it right? Or maybe, maybe you've experienced this on the other end. Right? Maybe you have a very peculiar taste, and, and so when you're opening a gift, you're wondering, is my smile going to work? Or are they going to see that I'm actually disappointed they got me something I don't really want? Right? That's always hard. And so the wonderful thing is we have this kind of new thing, this new modern thing called a gift receipt. Which, yes, which is like insurance on misplaced generosity. It ensures that, hey, if you got it wrong, they can return it, and if they got it wrong you can return it. And gift receipts are great. They're really helpful for me because they kind of alleviate some of that gift-giving anxiety. I have a friend that I always make sure I give a gift receipt to because this friend, literally this is his practice, is as he's opening gifts, he'll create two piles. Yeah, I know. I was going to say his name, but again, that'll go on the internet and then he'll never get a job again or friends. Uh, But as he's opening his gifts, literally he'll have a return pile and a keep pile. Now, you may think to yourself, well, yeah, Paul, I do the same thing. I sort my gifts that way. Yeah, but you do it different. See, because he does it right in front of you <laughs> while you're opening the gifts. Now, he doesn't tell you which one's which, but I remember sitting there thinking to myself, my gift's over here. And as these piles grow, I don't think I made the cut. <laughs> right? And so I'm always making sure I always give a gift receipt to that friend. Now, on Christmas... Mary got the gift of a son. And she would not return that, right? She wouldn't put that in the return pile. Because Mary and her people had been waiting for this gift for a long, long time. It's one that wasn't just that just Mary wanted a child, but the people of God had been waiting for a savior king for thousands of years. It was on the top of their wish list for a long, long, long time. And so when Mary gets this announcement, 
that God was going to do something special with her son, she didn't say to herself, all right, I'm putting this in the return pile. Which leads me to the big idea for today. So if you're going to write down one thing, I want you to write this down. We always have like one big idea of our sermons here at sunrise. The big idea is this. Mary didn't need a gift receipt. Mary didn't need a gift receipt. Because the gift that she would get wouldn't be a duplicate. Wouldn't be something she had before. And the gift wouldn't be a dud. And the gift that she would get would never be surpassed. And the gift that she would get would never be replaced. The gift that she would get would never run out of batteries. The gift that she would get would never wear out and she'd never give it to goodwill. The gift that she would get was the thing that would meet her deepest need. And it's what her people had been waiting for for thousands of years. And even beyond her people, the Jewish people, this is what humanity had been waiting for for such a long time long time. So I want to dive into Luke chapter 2. I want to show you as Mary starts to comprehend what this gift is, that she savors this gift. She treasures this gift. She doesn't put it in a pile over here to be returned. This is the gift that she knows is a magnificent move of God to heal his broken and beloved creation. We're going to see her treasure this gift. And what I hope is that you see that you too should treasure this gift just like Mary did. So let's jump into the Bible together. Let's jump into Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. We're going to start with verse 8. I'm going to read a little kind of, well, kind of a bigger section of the scripture because I want you to see this announcement. What is this gift that Mary is receiving, that humanity is receiving? Who is this son that is coming into the world on this day? And I want you to see at the very end how Mary responded. Almost think of my friend, right, putting those gifts in the return pile or the keep pile. Let's see where Mary placed this gift, this gift of a savior king. Let's start in verse 8 of Luke chapter 2. It says this. In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord showed around them. And they were filled, filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, and you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with this angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Mary gets this announcement from the shepherds. The shepherds communicate the angel message. And the angelic message was this. Christ the Lord, your Savior, is born. Now those are huge terms filled with meaning. Just that term, Lord, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That term, that could mean, could refer to a person just with a position of power, say like in that time, Caesar. But that's not how Luke 
has used it so far in the first couple chapters of his gospel. He's used that term Lord to refer to God. And we'll see that later when we reflect back on one of the scriptures in chapter 1 of the gospel of Luke. This gives us a hint. This baby is more. It's more than just a man, but can be referred to with terms that are given to God. This baby was a God-man. And this God-man was going to be a Savior. Now, Mary had already received a message from an angel, the angel Gabriel, before she ever conceived. So this is kind of the second angelic message she gets. And the shepherds emphasized to her what the angels had said, that this would be a savior. That's who this son is going to be. But Mary's earlier message tied in something else. Not just a savior, but something more. Look in Luke chapter 1, verse 32. Luke chapter 1, verse 32. Gabriel makes this announcement to Mary before she's ever conceived. And she speak, he speaks of this son. And here's what he says in verse 32. It says that he will be great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God. There we go. There's that term, Lord. The baby was going to be called Christ the Lord. Gabriel in his message said, the Lord God will give. Who's he talking about there? He uses the term Lord to refer to who? To God. So we already, yeah, Jesus, thank you. Right? We already know that something miraculous is happening here. This is not a normal human birth. Something significant is happening. Now the angel makes this clear. The Lord will give to him the throne of his father, David. Now what is that about? Look at the next verse. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. So now we get a complete picture kind of what this gift is. If you almost think of it like this, it's like taking that gift and we, you shake it to figure out what it is. Right? And the harder you shake it, maybe you shake it really hard and you realize, oh, it's fine china. That's no longer fine, right? We're kind of shaking the gift here. What is this? This is not only a savior, but this is a king, a king who would rule a kingdom forever. Well, now we see why Mary didn't need a gift receipt. This, this gift is an incredible gift. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to take a little journey because I want to show you how this gift was on the top of not only Mary's wish list, but the top of her people's wish list, the Jewish people, and should be on the top of humanity's wish list. Because why do we need a savior king? Why that gift? First off, why do we need a savior? We go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. God made a promise to the first human beings that he would give this gift. That's how long they were waiting for a savior. Thousands of years. When the first humans rebelled against God, they sinned against God. God gave them a wonderful place. He wanted to dwell with his people, live in communion with them. But they broke his rules and his laws. We call that sin. The Bible refers to that as sin. And in breaking God's rules, we suffered the consequences of our actions. And God comes to Adam and Eve. And as he's explaining to them what are the consequences of their rebellion, in giving those, he speaks of a promise. I will fix this, is what he says. I will fix this problem. And as he's laying out the consequences, he's speaking to Satan in particular. Because Satan is the nemesis of mankind. The arch enemy, if you will. He is the one who can now inflict uh, a satanic oppression. He is the one who, that humanity is said to be 
under his influence and authority. So God speaks to Satan in Genesis chapter 3. And look at the promise that he gives here. And we understand why humanity needs a savior. This is Genesis 3 verse 15. This is God speaking to the snake. I will put enmity between you and the woman. Enmity, I'm going to make, there's going to be a war. There's going to be tension. There's going to be conflict. Satan between you and this woman. But beyond that, between your offspring and her offspring, those that follow you will not like her. And those who come from her line will not like you. There will be a war. And God says, in the very beginning, let me tell you how the war is going to end. It's going to end with victory. And he will bruise your head. And you will bruise his heel. Why does it give a difference in what is inflicted there? You ever see Mike Tyson get in the ring and make a knockout blow to somebody's heel? That would be very interesting, right? He's on the ground. Bam! No, that's what's being described here is, yes, Satan is going to look like he's made an attack that was successful. But it's only a strike to the heel. What Christ will do, that's the offspring talked about here. He will crush your head. That's a lethal blow. He will liberate humanity from satanic oppression. As the scriptures unfold, it speaks of humanity being under the rule of sin, Satan, and death. And the very beginning, God said, I will liberate you through a Savior. See, now we see why Mary treasured this in her heart. Because for thousands of years, humanity... Specifically, the Old Testament people, the people of Israel who've heard this promise, who knew this story, they were waiting. We need a snake-crushing Savior to come. But more was talked about. right? Mary not only knew that her son would be a Savior, but she knew that he would rule like King David did. And he would have a kingdom forever. We heard that. Gabriel said that. Jesus was born in the city of David, Bethlehem. To parents who were connected to the lineage of David. See, that's a problem. Or that's not a problem. That's a promise that was made to King David right before he died. This promise of a savior kind of grew and grew. And it got to the point of David, which is about a thousand years before Mary was ever born. David received this promise. This is 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12. This is the promise that God gives to David. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up from your offspring after you, and you shall come, and who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. It just sounds like right now he's going to get a king after him. But look at how this king is described in verse 13. And think of what Mary's been told. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom for how long? For four terms. For two terms. Four Ever. That's exactly what Gabriel said. Gabriel said, this son will sit on the throne of David forever. A thousand years before Jesus was ever born, God made this promise. And thousands of years before that, God made a promise of a snake-crushing Savior. So now we get the full picture. We shake the gift and what's inside? It's not Legos. It's not fine china. It's a snake-crushing Savior King. No wonder she didn't need a gift receipt. Her son would liberate her from sin and death. Give her victory over her nature that was sinful because of the fall of Adam and Eve. Liberate her from demonic oppression. Liberate her from her vices. Forgive her sins. Wipe away her shame and guilt. And be a king. 
who would be benevolent to her forever. A king who would protect and provide and lead them into prosperity. Wow, that is a Christmas gift. And it's a gift that wasn't just for Mary and wasn't just for her people, but for all people. And God made that promise too. In Genesis chapter 22, so there's this guy named Abraham. After Adam and Eve, before David, Abraham was given a promise. God continually giving these hints. Here's the gift you need. Here's the gift I'm going to give you. Look at this in Genesis chapter 22 verse 17. God says to Abraham, I will surely bless you. And I will surely multiply your offsprings as the stars of the heaven, as the sand that is on the seashore. He's talking about the people of Israel growing into a nation. Right now it's just one man with no sons. But that will change. And they will grow into a people and Christ will come from that people. And your offspring shall possess the gates of his enemy. Verse 18. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth Be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. This snake-crushing Savior King was for everyone. Everyone. Mary didn't need a gift receipt. (laughs) That's not a gift you want to put in the return pile. Look at where she puts it. Go back to Luke chapter 2. The very last verse we read of our passage in Luke chapter 2. Here's how she responds to the angel's announcement given to her by the shepherds. It says in verse 19, But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them, where? In her heart. Now that phrase right there tells us she didn't fully comprehend what this gift meant. And we see that as the Gospels develop. So she's pondering this. She's wondering this. But she's not ignoring this. She's not pushing this aside. And she's definitely not putting it in the return pile. And so she's pondering this in her heart. In Hebrew language, what that meant, the heart was the, the center of who we are. It's very similar to kind of what, how we use that phrase and that terminology. When we say the heart of a matter or I love you with all of my heart. It's very similar. The heart, think of it almost like the sun to the galaxy. All the planets orbit around the sun, the very thing in the center of our solar system. That's the idea. Whatever is in your heart, everything else orders itself around that thing. And Mary is saying, this is where I'm putting this snake-crushing Savior King. I'm putting him right here in my heart. So here's my question for you this Christmas. Do you treasure Christ like Mary did? We're all going to have a moment tomorrow, all of us, when all the boxes are empty, when all the bags are empty. And in that moment, I want you to think of what I'm saying right now. In that moment, when all the gifts and bows and all the paper and maybe the piles, hopefully not two piles, please don't do that. But when all that's empty, I want you to ask yourself, is my heart full? Is my heart full? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you get to that moment. Again, everything is unwrapped. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to something. Because as all the gifts are done, maybe you didn't get everything you wanted on your wish list. But hopefully your heart is still full. Full with the idea that a snake-crushing Savior King has given you the gift of freedom 
and the gift of forgiveness and the gift of forever with him. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to challenge you. And I know you're like, wait, pastor, you're going to challenge me on Christmas? Yes. That's kind of what we do here. But I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to put a tradition, add a tradition maybe for you. Okay, and if you're, if you're, a, if you're a dad or your father, I'm going to challenge you to lead out in this, dad. If you're a husband, I'm going to challenge you to lead out in this. If you're a boyfriend, I'm going to challenge you to lead out in this. I want you to do this. After, after, again, all the gifts are open, all the bags, all the boxes, all the wrapping papers everywhere. I want you to stand up with your family. To grab hands. And I want you to pray a prayer of thanks to the snake-crushing Savior King Jesus Christ. Because he is the one who fills your deepest need. What he has given us should be on the top of our wish list. It's been on the top of the wish list of humanity since its inception. Since the very beginning. It's what we've been aching for. Ever since sin entered into this world and we've suffered the consequences of sickness and in death. Of hurt. Of relational pain. We've walked about this earth aimlessly looking for meaning and purpose and value. And the snake crushing king liberates us from our vices liberates us from demonic oppression liberates us from our own misgivings liberates us from our carnal desires frees us to live in the way we were designed to live frees us from shame frees us from guilt and offers us forever my challenge to you this Christmas season after all the gifts are unwrapped is to gather with your family and pray a prayer of thanks to your snake-crushing Savior, King Jesus Christ. Now, maybe you're not yet following Jesus. I still want you to think about that moment tomorrow. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. You're going to get good gifts. That's great. That's great. And I hope you get really good ones. Maybe that screwdriver set you've been waiting for for a long time or that handbag you've been waiting for a long time. And if we're honest, you might have to return some gifts. Right? Maybe your husband bought you something that you already had. Maybe your girlfriend bought you a gift for the wrong sports team. She doesn't understand. Right? Boyfriend, maybe you bought the wrong size. Whew, good luck with that one. Right? You're probably going to have to return some gifts before the new year. But, but at that moment, again, when all the boxes are open, all the bags are empty, I, I want you to take a moment, just a moment, and ask yourself the question, am I filled? Is there something missing here? Did I really get what I needed? The scriptures tell us our greatest need is for freedom. And forgiveness. To be liberated and restored to our relationship with God. Now again, if you're not following Jesus, here, I want you to hear this. I'm first of all so excited that you are here with us celebrating Christmas. That means a, a world to me that you'd come here and hang out with us. And, and if you're not ready yet to put, put Jesus in that keep pile, I get it. That's okay. I want you to go at your own pace. But please, 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 don't put him in the return pile. Not yet. Not until you walk through this. Not until you see the message of Jesus Christ. 
Open the gift a little bit. See what's there. If you, if you get to that point and everything is open and all the bags are unpacked, and you remember my annoying little voice saying this, am I, am I full? If you have that moment of curiosity, you have that moment of doubt, I'm going to challenge you too. Here's my challenge. Come back. Come back to us. Come back with us. You don't have to believe in Jesus to come here. If you need to figure out what that is, but you've got curiosity inside of you, this is a safe place for your curiosity. I went to church for months before I ever started following Jesus. And I didn't even like God. I just had a lot of questions and a lot of pain and I had a lot of hurt. And I found a church that was hospitable to all of those things. Who opened this book up for me and let me just be blown away by the love that was here. So my encouragement to you is tomorrow, if you get that moment of curiosity, you get that moment of doubt, come back. Walk with us. Journey with us. I believe you will not be disappointed by exploring this book and the message of Jesus Christ. I think you'll get to the point, just like Mary, where you will treasure this gift as the greatest thing that's ever been given to humanity. Church family, let's pray. Father, we love you and we, we thank you for who you are to us in Jesus Christ. Oh Christ, we thank you. You are the greatest gift. We thank you for the liberation. We thank you for the forgiveness. We thank you for forever. We thank you that you've changed our stories permanently. Christ, I thank you that you came, that you took on flesh. You dwelled among us. You stepped into our brokenness. You stepped into our mess. You took it on yourself. Our guilt and our shame were put on you on the cross. But you rose again victoriously. Now you hand us the gift of forgiveness, of righteousness, of restoration. Wow. What, what other gift could we ache for? What other gift could we want? There's nothing that satisfies like the gift of you, Christ. And I pray that you would be cherished this Christmas season. I pray tomorrow, when families get to that point and all the gifts are received, I pray, Father, that you would you'd show up in a special way in that moment where prayers are offered of thanks to you. I pray you'd receive those things. I pray you'd smile just big time over those prayers. I believe you will. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd be there in a special way for those families and friends as they give thanks to you. And Father, for those who are not yet following you, Father, I pray you'd be with them tomorrow as they, as they, as they complete their giving list and their receiving list, as, as all that's passed out. Father, I pray you'd have a special moment with their heart. You'd show them that there is a need that they have that's so much bigger than, than screwdrivers and a handbag. <laughs> you show them there's a deep need and you want to show them that you can fill that need. In fact, you're the only one who can. Well, Father, I pray you bring them back here. I know you're calling. I know you're moving. I know you're drawing people to yourself. And I pray tomorrow would be a step in that direction where you are calling people to yourself. Lord, we, re we rejoice in you and the gift that is Christ this Christmas season. Christ, it is in your name I pray. Amen.